save us now. Would you stand with me? And would you say it out loud? One, two, three. Hosanna! Again, one, two, three. Hosanna! Do you need him to save you today? From some situation or some circumstance? Well, let me hear you. One, two, three. Hosanna! Save us now, we pray, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you like to take your seats? Hosanna. Just imagine that. Hosanna. Mm. And of course, they said those words when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem. And uh, little did they know. A couple of weeks ago, John spoke on the topic of seasons. And he spoke about discerning the seasons was uh, just over a month ago, and uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't, if you weren't in that service, that you try and get hold of the, the DVD or the CD. Um, it was a great message. He spoke about, firstly, understanding what season you're in. Don't kick against the season, but embrace it, number two. Thirdly, don't compare your season to another person's season. That's not fair. And then number four, there are defining moments in our lives when we must take a big step into the next season. And those were the, the, the four points, and I was encouraged by them, and I, I know many others were, so try and get a hold of that because I think it can be an encouragement to you. But in line with that, I'd like to continue speaking about seasons and time. Seasons and time, and the timing of God in our lives. It's not always the easiest thing to understand. And God always sees things from a different perspective. And God places great emphasis on preparation. And so timing is not always the easiest thing to understand. And time is a strange thing. I was watching on Discovery during the week and they said, when you reach the speed of light, time stops. And I thought, well, who was there to know? <laughs> but that just goes to show we don't understand. And timing is a strange time is a strange thing. I'd like to read that same scripture from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 to 8, if you'd like to turn there. It was the same scripture John used in that discerning the seasons one, but let's just read it as a departure point or a foundation for continuing on about speaking about seasons and time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1 to 8. Let me just read the whole thing to you, and then let's divide it up. To everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what was planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, 
A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Such a well-known scripture. It's got these positives and these negatives juxtaposed to one another. I'd like to take a moment and let's just read the positives. Starting from the beginning, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to plant, a time to heal, a time to build up, a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to get, a time to keep, a time to sow, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time for peace. And most of us love all of those. But there are these negatives. Let's read it from the beginning. To everything there is a season and a time for every matter and a purpose under heaven. A time to die, a time to pluck up. A time to kill and a time to break down. A time to weep, a time to mourn. A time to cast away stones. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to lose, a time to cast away. A time to rend, a time to keep silent, a time to hate. And a time for war. Sometimes when you read those, you wonder if they really should be in the Bible. But they're there. Because there is a, a season and a time for everything. And I went and just looked, what, what is the difference? Because the Scripture says there is a season and a time. And I went and looked at the definition of the word season, and it means a specific period of time. A certain a certain period marked by specific conditions. And seasons are certain. We know spring is around the corner. We don't know whether a cold front is coming on Tuesday, but we know that spring is around the corner. So it is a specific period of time where there are specific conditions and usually climatic conditions. We know in winter it gets cold. That's why we don't get rid of all our jerseys when it comes to the summer. Because we know. And so seasons have certainty. And I'd like to just encourage you, if whatever season of life you're in, and I just want to say to you, one thing about seasons is that they are guaranteed to change. They are guaranteed to change. In South Africa, we have a wonderful climate. Nine months of the year is summer. Nine months of the year, we can swim and we can braai outdoors and we can, we can enjoy life. I've had the privilege twice of being in Canada, in Toronto. The one time I went, it was in winter and it was freezing cold. And I wondered why human beings lived in Canada. I remember John and Stuart Agnew going one day, and they were in Canada, and they went out to somebody's house or somewhere in the country, and the, the guy wanted to show them something interesting. So he poured, poured them each a boiling hot cup of coffee, and he stood outside and he threw the coffee up like this, and before it hit the ground, it had frozen. Is that right? <laughs> it's a freezing cold place. And I went 
in the winter, and my summer warm clothes, just or my whatever warm clothes I thought I had, they didn't really do the trick. It was cold. But again I went, and I went in the heat of summer, and I could not believe. I could understand why human beings lived in Canada. It was unbelievably pleasant. Hot. Hot that you ran from the air-conditioned shopping centers to get to your car to get back into the air conditioning. And everybody was in holiday mode. They all had cottages in the country. And on the weekends, by Friday afternoon, they would have what they call gridlock on the highways as all the people desperate for the sun would just go to their cottages and they would just enjoy it. But nine months was winter. And when I was there, they said to me, Andrew, the interesting thing is that by mid-February, they are halfway through their winter. They've had four and a half months already, and they've got four and a half months to go. And, and they told me, I went to have supper with some of the locals there, and they told me that in the middle of February was the highest suicide rate because the winter season was so long. And I learned a lot out of that. And he said the other thing, he said that in the beginning when it becomes winter and the snow falls and it's white and beautiful, it's beautiful. He said, but four months into your winter, the snow has changed color. He said to me, the snow turns gray. He said that they have to scrape the streets to get rid of the snow, and they dump the snow on the sides of the roads, together with all the filth in the street. And so the snow gets dirty and gray. And only for moments when there's a bit of a fresh downpour is it white again and then it all gets dirty as the soot and the pollution is captured. And he says it's gray and cold. And I want to tell you, sometimes we go through seasons like that. It's like this perpetual winter. But again, let me guarantee you, seasons change. So a season is a specific period of time, a certain period marked by specific conditions. But time, I went and looked up that word, and the Hebrew word most commonly used as time is eight, A-Y-T. And it refers to the instant or the duration during which something happens. It's that moment when something happens. And to me, that's the part that we don't know, because we don't always know when that's going to happen. We don't know the moment. And sometimes we can get discouraged as we wait for that moment. We're getting ready here for our fifth birthday. Can you believe it? Five years. You know, when I, did, when I was in high school, five years felt like uh, two lifetimes. And now we've been running the church for five years and it seems like just yesterday we were standing in the theater wondering who was going to arrive. And uh, it's five years. But we wanted to get the gardens nice for everybody so that when you come, the grass is green and the trees have got their leaves so that you can have some shade. 
So we decided to work on it. We put together a bit of a strategy. The strategy was fertilizer, topsoil, manure, water, 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 and pruning. And so we've been getting this whole area looking good for you. And the grass is really starting to look nice. But the trees are aggravating me. Because they won't sprout. And I've been working on them now for two weeks. And they won't sprout. They won't put out leaf. And I'm saying, Lord, the people are going to be here. They need shade. And the trees won't sprout. And I've prayed and driven past and commanded growth and <laughs> spoken life to those trees and just sprout, for goodness sake. They won't, they won't sprout. It's the season, for goodness sake. Sprout. You know, put out those leaves. Won't do it. Why? Because it's not yet the time. The season is there. The conditions are there. The water is there. The fertilizer is there. Everything is there. But the time. I even came around the front and I saw another Vitzdenkotia sprouting without fertilizer and water. <laughs> I went to the back and I thought, what's wrong with these guys? They just thought, this one's doing it. That one... And it's not the time. Boy, I am trusting for the next two weeks. <laughs> I've been counting down the days. And I'm trusting that the time will come. In time. And that the trees will sprout. That's the issue of seasons versus time. Boy, if the timing is not right, you can do whatever you like. You just will not find it happening. But when the time is right, you won't even notice. And it's happened. And you'll look out the window and you say, Hey, honey, the trees sprouted. Wow. They're there. The leaves are out. Can you believe it? That's the timing issue. I wanted to just say with the issue of timing, point number one, I don't have much time. Waiting is part of life. Waiting is part of life. Do you know how much time you spend waiting? How much time do you spend waiting in traffic? How much time do you spend waiting to get your passport or your driver's license? Oh, you don't. It's only me. How much time do you spend waiting for your kids? How much time do you spend waiting? We spend lots of time waiting. And I don't know why it is. Life is so short. We already spend a third of our lives sleeping. Now we spend so much time waiting. It seems like such a waste of time. But waiting is part of life. And for me, there are great examples in the Bible. David. It's estimated from the time he was anointed until the time he became king. Anything between 10 and 15 years. Joseph, between the time he had the dreams to the time he was in Pharaoh's house, 
also 10 to 15 years. Moses, wandering around the desert looking after his father-in-law's sheep, is 40 years. Lots of waiting. And it seems like waiting is something that's important to God. You don't need to turn there. Let me just read it. Even the Israelites felt it in Psalm 14, verse 7. They said, Oh, that the time of their rescue were already here. Can you hear me? Oh, if those trees would just bud now. Oh, if the time of their rescue was already here, that God would come from Zion to save, come now to save his people. What gladness when the Lord rescues Israel. And I want to tell you, sometimes in our lives there's a time of longing, of waiting. I remember as a family, we were trusting the Lord for breakthrough. But breakthrough was the, the one thing that didn't seem to be forthcoming. And we tried everything. We prayed. Nothing happened. We interceded. Nothing happened. Boy, we even took prophetic actions. We, boy, if there was something we could do, we would do. We tried to serve. We tried to put our foot down. We tried to be humble. We tried to be arrogant. We tried everything. Nothing would turn. And there was this time of waiting. And I want to tell you, those are hard times. And if you're in that, that type of time, I want to just encourage you today. And just say, seasons are meant to change. Your time is coming. So waiting is part of life. Point number two. There is a time to turn away from doing wrong. And I believe it's another moment in time. I don't think it's generally a season. I remember my grandfather, my mother's father, he was radically converted at a reasonably young age. And um, he was dramatically saved. It was an instantaneous thing and his life had changed. And I believe there comes a time when we've got to say, I'm not going on with sin. I'm not going on with my previous way of life. That's why when I ask people, um, when were you saved? When did you give your heart to the Lord? They don't say, well, it was between 1966 and 1974. They don't do that. Because it's not a season, it's a moment. Yes, we are continually being saved, but there's that moment. That moment in time. And I believe there is a moment in time for each one of us where we have to decide, God, I choose you. It's not something that can evolve. It's something you have to settle in one decisive moment. Point number three, I believe there's a time to realize that your time on earth is brief. For us gentlemen, it normally hits us somewhere in our 40s. When we suddenly realize, well, we're not really what we used to be, but we still want to leave a legacy. We still want to have an effect. We still want to do something of value. And there's a time, I believe, at a moment when suddenly we realize we're not here forever. Before my own father died, we knew my father was weak physically, but we never really thought about him dying. 
it was on the fringe of possibilities. In fact, we felt immortal. We hadn't, death hadn't touched our family. And so we felt like, well, whatever happened, we'd get over it. You know, we, you know, if he had a heart attack, we'd get over it and he'd get over it. And if something happened, you know, we, if we got a disease, we would get better, you know. And, and then in the midst of everything in this one moment in time, you know, my father died. And suddenly, death became a reality. It was like, it was like in a moment of time, everything changed. The way I saw the world changed. And I remember shortly after that, we were on our way down to East London for a holiday. It must have been in the December, so it was six months later. And um, as I got in the car, I prayed as we normally do, Lord, bless us as we travel and keep us safe and give us journeying mercies. But if it's your time for us, we are ready. Now, that's not a good thing to pray. <laughs> but it shows how things had changed. Because suddenly I realized, I'm not here forever. It takes one moment. And I'm not here. So what can I do in this moment I've got? How can I make a difference? And I believe there comes a time to realize that our time on earth is short. Point number four, I believe there comes a decisive time in our lives when we have to trust God. I remember a time in my life, everything had been stripped away. And I faced the prospect of being unemployed. And I went away prior to this happening with my wife and I said, Honey, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. You know, I only know church. I don't know anything else. And I don't know how I'm going to provide for you. And I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. And my wife said to me, don't you worry, if we need to sell the house, we'll sell the house. If we need to sell the car, we'll sell the car. If I must get a job, I'll get a job. I'll do whatever we can, but let's just... And right there, I had to come to that point where I had to say, God, now I trust you. Not my salary, not my employer, not my, my legacy or my history or my connections. I just trust you. And it was a critical point. I can remember it clearly. And it wasn't a time where I felt confident. But it was a time when I desperately hung on to God. And I believe each one of us will get that time where we have to make that momentary decision. God, I'm going to trust you. It says in Psalm 62 verse 8, O my people, trust him all the time. Pour out your longings before him, for he can help you. Isn't that beautiful? Let me read it again. Oh, my people, trust him all the time. Pour out your longings before him, for he can help you. Point number five, there is a time for God to act. There is a time for God to act. And usually when God starts acting, things start moving fast. And there for me, the story of Joseph is just such a beautiful story. Here's Joseph. He's been, 
you know, abandoned and rejected and he's been sold into slavery, he's been falsely accused, he's been forgotten in prison. Nothing seems to end. There's no end to this monotony of uh, rejection and failure. But one day, just one day, he goes from the prison to the throne. And there is a decisive momentary time when God begins to act and things begin to change. Psalm 119, verse 126 says, Lord, it is time for you to act. Maybe that's how you feel today. It says in Psalm 37 and verse 7, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him to act. And it says in Psalm 42 and verse 11, But, O oh my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act. Point number six, I believe there's a decisive time when you can begin to rejoice because God has acted. There is a time that comes when we can rejoice. And David wrote the psalm, Psalm 18. It was a song that was written at the time when the, when the Lord had delivered him from his many enemies, including Saul. And he wrote these words and he said, Lord, how I love you, for you have done such tremendous things for me. The Lord is my fort where I can enter and be safe. No one can follow me in and slay me. He is a rugged mountain where I can hide. He is my Savior. And I believe there are those, those moments in time when God acts, and there's those moments in time when we can rejoice, because God has acted on our behalf. And so this issue of time is not always the easiest thing, as I mentioned, and there is a right time for everything. Another translation of that same verse, Ecclesiastes 3, doesn't speak of a season. It actually omits the word season and only puts in the word time. And for me, that's something I can grab hold of because I know there's a time for everything. And I can have confidence in God and His timing. It might not always suit me, but I can have confidence in His timing. And you, sitting here today as part of this congregation, are a witness to the miracle of God's timing. And as my one friend always used to tell me, he said, God's timing is always impeccable. God's timing in, is always impeccable. So I want to encourage you in whatever season you may be in, if you are trusting God for that time when He will act on your behalf, I want to encourage you today and say there is a time when God acts. There is a time when seasons turn and all the gates of hell itself cannot stop what will happen when that season begins to turn. There's a great song that says these words, and I quote, it says, In Christ alone I place my trust. I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is in Christ alone. If you're in a time in your life where you are waiting for God to act, I'd like to pray with you. 
And I want to ask you, if you're in that, in that time, would you stand that I can pray with you today? Now, what I'd like us to do is I'd like you to take a moment and by decisive decision, place your trust in God for this situation in this moment. Pray after me. Lord, right now, I place my complete trust in you. I am waiting for you to act. And now I state my dependence on you. Sorry, Lord, for trying to do my own thing. But I'm here now to take hold of your hand and to believe you for the breakthrough I'm expecting. In Jesus' name. That song says, In Christ alone I place my trust. I find my glory not in my accomplishments or my successes. I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is in Christ alone. And if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if there's never been a decisive time that you have given your heart and life to Him, today is a perfect opportunity. And if that's where you are, won't, won't you just all stand with me? If that's where you are today, I'd like to lead you in a short prayer and then we'll close the meeting. For those people who feel it is that divine time to turn Pray this after me in the quietness of your own heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent of the wrong things I have done. I turn around and I say, Lord Jesus, would you come and live within me? Would you be my Savior, my Lord and my King? And I declare my confidence and trust in you today. This is a decisive moment for me, Lord. It's not just a season. It's a decisive moment where I have stepped out. A defining moment where I take a big step into the next season. And I do it in obedience to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and you'd like one of the shepherds to pray for you afterwards, you're welcome to come to the front. But thank you so much for being with us today. And I trust that uh, the spring will come sooner rather than later. Have a wonderful afternoon. If you'd like a copy of the CD or the DVD, you can go through to the back where the re reception desks are and you can go and get it there for yourself. But God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. All right, volunteers, we were looking for volunteers.